Dixon Jane's podcast. This would be episode number 966. It is a, uh, a Saturday, October the 7th, and uh, this report is coming to you live from Bluffers Park here in Scarborough, sitting, staring out at the water, <laughs> very close by on a nice little bench, leaves scattered all about me on the ground because it is October. And the temperature has dropped. It is cool. I am wearing my jacket for the first time. And let me tell you, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of shirts and jackets and things. And it actually feels good sometimes. As much as I enjoy, you know, the hot sun sitting in a t-shirt, like when I was camping a lot of this summer. Putting on a, a jacket with big pockets you can stick things in and, uh, you know, feel comfy and cozy. It's kind of a nice feeling. So I got no problem with uh, the, the change in temperature. I am thinking ahead because today is Saturday and on Friday I will be camping at um, McGregor Provincial Park up on Lake Huron and it will be cool, I'm sure. No idea what the weather is going to be. I don't bother looking. It is what it is when I get there. Uh, but there will be warm fires and I will be bringing plenty of warm clothing and... Uh, so, and then, of course, you know, it is just so snug at nighttime sleeping in my road track. So, um, that's all happy stuff. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, as I too often do here on the Dixon Janes podcast. And my mouth starts babbling on. I was telling myself, <clears throat> dude, slow down a little and just talk about things somebody might be interested in hearing, you know? Not so much just your inner space, you know, where you're at. Um, the only problem with that, that's what I've been doing for 17 years. I've been sharing my inner space, the inside of my head with you, and it's uh, it's pretty hard to um, switch over. I know I talked last time about uh, Doug focusing, you know, and talking about one thing that uh, the uh, Tom Petty... Uh, CD, it wasn't, not the Heathens, what is it called? Wallflowers. Um, mine is on its way, my copy, so I, I will have it by this camping weekend, I'll be listening to it for sure, but, uh, for now, it's just me sitting up on a bench, watching these streams of people, what's wonderful about Thompson Park, uh, Bluffers Park, sorry, uh, it's just the mix of people. There are all groups here. Uh, a lot of Chinese people, but a lot of um, people from other cultures. I know I was hearing Arabic when I came in. And I guess that's kind of leading me towards where I wanted to go. It, it, it's a topic I don't want to talk about, but I've got to unload, because that's what I do on the Dixon Jane's podcast. I get things off my chest, out of my head. I dump them on you, the listener. Um, but <laughs> with the hope it's going to make me feel better. I don't know how you'll feel, but uh, I may feel better. But it, no, I doubt it, because this is about atrocities. It's about war. It's about killing. It's about the innocent people dying. I, I just, whatever, I was, you know, flicking between news channels, whatever, or maybe it was even uh, something I read on, uh, you know, one of the many things I subscribe to about a bomb that went off in Syria. I guess it was a graduation ceremony for new soldiers. And I think at least 50 had been killed outright. And of course, these are soldiers that would have had their proud parents sitting with them. So many of the people who died would have been the parents of soldiers. Um, you know, 50 at least killed. I don't know the numbers. It doesn't you know matter for the sake of this conversation. Maybe at least a hundred wounded. And when you talk about wounded, you could be meaning a leg blown off, an arm missing, blinded, uh, spinal injuries. You know, you, you, 
just any number of things that people would have been rushed to hospital and someone would have dealt with them as best they could but of course when it's a bomb or in this case I guess it was a missile um, an explosion everything all happens at once and it just made me so sad oh my god this war in Syria is still going on and, and for what gain and who's who's pulling the levers and it's another war that's sort of been fought with the superpowers you know you know putting other troops in there but arming the various sides and it's horrific because the people who are dying when you when you send a missile into a a, a residential area uh, you know a cafe or a, you know a hotel or whatever they, these are not soldiers you know, a stand-up war shooting at each other. This is, this is, these are atrocities. So that completely bummed me out. And then just flicked on the news. I avoided the news pretty well all day today. Uh, and then made the mistake of turning it on to hear about the Hamas attack on Israel. And I don't know, was that 50 or 100 killed? A huge number. And the horror of that is... No matter how many they kill, Israel is going to go back wherever they will find the Hamas in in Palestine, in the you know uh, disputed territories, in maybe Lebanon if they have to, and they will kill multiples of you know Arabs in retaliation. You cannot win by attacking Israel. You are not going to wipe them out. So whoever makes these plans to go in. And say, okay, we we launch this attack, multiple points. We're going to kidnap and kill and murder and uh, burn and do whatever we have to do, and we'll have our revenge on the Israelis. Knowing full well, other innocent people who have nothing to do, who didn't launch the attack, who probably didn't want the attack, will die, will suffer. And can these people? Can any of them? really believe that they will die martyrs that they would they have done something heroic in these things and it's it's just such a tragic state of affairs for the human race and no sign anywhere of this ending like a, a global peace movement of common people rising up it just ain't gonna happen and we're poised, we're on the brink of yet another, you know, when you look at the tension between the United States and China and Russia, um, I think I'm going to have to abandon the book I was reading, the, I don't know, what was it, The Secret War or something like that. Um, it's just too depressing. You know, it's documented exactly. I mean, the Russians poisoning, you know, what who they call traitors and whatever on American soil or British soil and Chinese industrial spying, you know, infiltrated into the American system to the point where people aren't going to trust Chinese people. It's happened in Canada. There's no... How can there be hope for our young people? How how can people, you know, anybody tuning into any of this? And that's, that's just deeply saddening. I mean, it, it, they're really, again, I'll, I'll harken back to my days of, of being young and we knew the war in Vietnam was wrong this was not you know this this pretense of uh, there'll be a domino effect everybody will be communist if we don't stop them right here in their tracks at the point of countless lives lost no they've counted them they know how many who visited the wall memorial the black wall with the names of all the soldiers who died American soldiers dying in Vietnam took my son there <clears throat> we felt we could feel we're on the on the right side that enough protests in the streets this is protesting against your own country right this isn't taking on china or russia this is this is within the united states there's a war going on and this war is wrong and enough people rose up and made noise and risked going to jail for burning their draft cards or, you know, 
left the country to avoid going off to fight. That seemed like a good battle. That seemed, this is a time of hope, you know, that message of love in the music of the 60s and and the counter-generation, the hippie generation for... As laughable as it may be, looking back at the time, there there was for people like myself. There was this was a winning side. This was there was hope. We are going to change the world. We there is a better way. Um, and where are we today? And what does it look like for young people today? So anyway, okay, that's I've I've unloaded. I'm I'm sorry because that's not a pleasant thing to share. Uh, I don't know who I'm really sharing this to. I guess you always wonder, okay, where do you go from there? And you go from there to counting your blessings. It's Thanksgiving weekend. For all the good you've got, and I, I have that obligation to do that for the for the wonderful life I have had, for the good fortune, for being born post-war, white, middle-class Canadian. Thank you. That was the winning lottery ticket. We know that. Um, but it, 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 where, where does it take us to now? It takes it to now me sitting on a bench in Buffers Park, looking at the sun shining down on the leaves and feeling content and feeling comfortable and feeling healthy and, and knowing I've got to park the things that I can't change that are beyond me and, and not be weighed down or, or just, you know, in a funk and depressed because of them. Today, uh, knock on the door, and I know right away. I maybe even the doorbell rang. I think it works now. Um, and I see two gentlemen wearing ties, and I know right away. Ah, ah, my visiting Jehovah Witnesses again. And I was polite to them. I I stayed at the door and I talked to them. I'm sure it was at least five minutes. I let them know right off the bat. I knew why they were there. I felt bad for them that they were wasting their time and that there are better things they could be doing, should be doing. I told them about what it is to be a humanist. Um, and I guess I engaged them politely and said, I, I'm trying hard not to be rude to you, but I think you're just you're, you're just wasting your time here. And you know, one of them was listening, the younger one, but there's, there's an older one who was, he's just been down this road so many times. And he, you know, he, he knew he would find a copy of Awake to leave. Now, they had my son's name, so once, I guess, they came to the door and my, uh, my younger son, Daniel, answered. And um, so basically they came back to see him. Well, Daniel's not here, so I said, I promised I would give him the leafler, the little book called Awake on um, supposedly on the environment and of course that's a hook and I'm sure if you read through it you'll find out praying to God or doing something or other will will help us you know save the world or maybe no maybe this is the end of the world I don't remember exactly what they're preaching <laughs> I wasn't open to it um, but I did say, you know, I'd have some. Why don't you go and and start a a food bank or, or volunteer in one of them and and let them know about the Israeli attack on Hamas today and and shouldn't you people be you know doing something other than knocking on suburban doors? Um, so I I don't know. It was almost a, a pleasant exchange. I mean, quite often I'm much ruder than that. But I did feel, I, I said, I, I feel sorry for you, I, because you, you are compelled to this. You have no choice. Your, your religion dictates that you go and, and knock on doors. So, anyway, I don't know uh, why I snuck that in there, other than <laughs> what has today consisted of. Uh, me, out on the deck, reading a little bit. I am reading a book by Terry Fellis, who's a Canadian writer and very popular, and I was quite a surprise to see... This is already, I'm sure, at least his eighth book, maybe. And I'm not impressed. I'm sorry. I mean, Terry Fellis won't be listening to me. I have some friends who are big fans. But I found the writing very... um, Well, everything is scripted, of course. But it just... It didn't read well. The conversation seemed kind of forced. And and, uh, this is his latest. I don't know what it's called. I can't remember. 
but a real kind of disappointment. Margaret Atwood, he is not. This was just, okay, I guess these are, he's on a bit of a roll, you know. And uh, and great. Oh, somebody Canadian is making a name for himself locally and uh, getting published. Good. That's good. He's, it's a way to spend his time. And clearly some people are fans. But uh, I have. this is the first book of fiction I've allowed myself to pick up just because he's current and Canadian. Um, and I don't know if I really want to bother finishing it. I mean, I, I just don't care. So the wonderful thing about using your public library is, number one, you can get access to all the latest books, or a lot of them anyway that come out, not all, but you'll find some. But you're not obliged to finish them. It's not like you bought a book, you paid money, oh, God damn it, now i got to finish the damn thing. Um, I, I've just turned that corner. I am now making great use of my local libraries here in Toronto. We have a wonderful library system. Good, good, good. Put more money into that. Um... But, yeah, if a book, is, if you're not getting anything out of it, abandon it. There's plenty more books to uh, to find and enjoy. So, that's 15 minutes. Oh, my God. Um, I would like to finish this maybe before I leave for um, the McGregor, the Road Trek Gathering. I'll have much more to say when I'm there. So, this will be Scarborough Dude signing off from what's turned out to be a very nice day. I'm going to take my walk. I force myself. Get your exercise, Ken. You need that more than anything. And uh, so, signing off from uh, Bluffers Park on what's now quite a lovely day. Bye for now. Uh, yeah, this is a little uh, a PS. I'm back in my car now. Perfect timing. I just. On the last, you know, 100 feet, it started raining. So uh, I made it back. I had my walk. I feel good about that. But more importantly, what I was talking about earlier, about the hatred and the divisions, the wonderful thing about Scarborough, maybe Toronto, maybe Canada, but <laughs> Bluffers Park in particular, is the mix of cultures. You you take that walk, and you're passing people speaking different languages, and maybe in other parts of the world there'd be division and hatred or whatever was going on, violence. But here, everybody's happy to have this nice place. And the thing is, most of the people coming out are family people. I mean, it might be a husband and wife holding hands still. Uh, there's often kids. It might be groups of friends. But people are coming out together. And nobody's bothering them. Nobody's, there's nobody, you know, with a checkpoint looking for papers or, or questioning or shouting out insults uh, because they look differently or they're non-white or whatever. And it is a wonderful thing, and it's, it's something I celebrate. And I think that's important, and that, that's when it comes to Thanksgiving. Thank God, if there was one, sorry. Um, I'm living in a place like Canada where people are making an effort to get along and to, to maintain peace and cooperation and understanding and some compassion and care. You know, we're, we're screwing up lots of things. We've got a long way to go. The field of politics does not attract the best people. Unfortunately, the best people know better than to play this dirty game. But we're still making an effort. And... I am grateful because I know that country to the south of us that eats up all our airtime and television and everything else, the idea, and I'm sorry to repeat this, but that somebody of the nature of Donald Trump could have so much support still is frightening to the point where people, even people, the fact that people are saying, yes, he could possibly be president again. And you think, no, come on, come on. In what world? Well, in this world, there's a lot of fear and ignorance and, uh, you know, all those other things. But anyway, sorry, I meant, to, <laughs> I meant this to be a, a positive little P.S. And it's very hard to, uh, to say anything about, you know, the world of politics and hope without thinking of that man, oh my God. And and not just him, but the number of people who seem to want a leader like that, a, a fascist, a, a racist, a, uh, a, a dictator. You, all right, Woo. sorry.
Scarborough Dude from a bright spot. You know, Bluffers Park. Bye for now. Chick, chick, chick. Okay, uh, no bell, that means I'm in uh, Nauckel's Mazda. Um, I've got my uh, walker folded up in the back seat here, so I could technically get out. I'm facing a very long street parkway, and I absolutely must... Okay, I can't leave here without taking a walk. I just wasn't ready yet um, to do that. I thought, nah, it's too cold, you know. But uh, I will take a walk, and then I'll feel a little better about myself. And when I left home, Nelko's still in her pajamas, so there's no rush to return the car for her errands. Uh, I was out on an errand. I went to... Um, well, we have a choice when you need something around the house. We, I've got a Canadian Tire very close to us, and a Home Depot. Now, the Canadian Tire is great because I've got a Canadian Tire credit card. I get points for everything I buy, you know, and I can... You, sometimes walk in and say, oh yeah, use my points, $10, yeah, I'll take it. And it's free, you know, or I save it for something more. The problem with the Canadian Tire, they do have a lot of stuff, but you generally have to find it yourself. Um, so it's convenient, you know, it's uh, it's in the Cedarbury Mall right behind us. Um, but the service, you know, they're, they're friendly, the cashiers are great. And if you can find somebody, they at least try and help you. But very often, they don't, they don't have a clue. Um, but anyway, you go to Home Depot, and they have specialists, and they know. And what I needed was a screw that fits in to hold a basket on my roller. I lost it yesterday. I don't know if I mentioned that, but uh, got home and oh, damn, the thing's missing. It had been loose before. It's got a nice little plastic knob, which is gone. I knew I'm never going to find a you know a knob like that, but I can at least get a screw and tighten this thing up. No problem. Go into Home Depot, and there is an aisle entirely devoted to screws of all kinds, concrete, cement, pavement, you know, whatever. Just the entire and each each section has like dozens of bins of individual screws, or you can get old packages, but, you know, you can buy one screw, and that's what I needed. But how to find the one I want? You know, you just keep opening bins and hold it up against this thing, and I knew there's something called a thread count. And sure enough, they've got a nice little platform there, shelf, where you just take your screw and screw it in to the right slot, and say, ah, okay, what you want is a 6 millimeter metric. Oh, okay, good. That's that's what I need. Uh, now, I didn't do that myself because it just happened, by good fortune, a young man was walking by, and I, I just nabbed. I know if you see a sales associate wearing the Home Depot apron, I just shouted out, Do you know anything about screws? Yeah, sure. And, bam, he found it for me. And it took him a while. Like He you know, he knew what he was looking for because he used that little template. You know, here, screw it in. Yeah, okay, this is what you need. And so I got that and a bolt for a dollar. Exactly what I needed. You know, it's sort of an honor honor system. You you stick them in a bag and you write down how many and what's the bin number. And then they just punch it into the cash and there you go. So, done. My big errand for the day. Get a replacement screw so I can have the basket on my road drag, which I need to put in my books and recorder and everything else. Great. Uh, It's missing the nice little plastic handle. But if I tighten this one up, it doesn't matter. I don't need to be taking that damn thing on and off. Okay, all right, park that. That's done. Um, I had the news on in the background, and it is all, of course, uh, Israel and Israel's attack back on the uh, Hamas. And, of course, that means innocent, innocent, long-suffering Palestinian citizens are going to pay the price. They are going to suffer. They're sort of caught between. And there's this very, there are people out there with voices of reason and calm, well, maybe not calm, but hope. There's, but there's also just deep, bitter hatred. And with each retaliation from Israel, that hatred just digs in a little deeper and you're giving rise to more, you know, air quotes, terrorists, you know, people seeking revenge. And, and 
it's just tragic that the, the, there's no solution there. I talked about Syria yesterday. I talked about uh, Ukraine. It just, oh my God, help us. You know, well, who do you call for help? You know, you don't call God. Hey, humans, you are making this mess. And, and bless the scientists out there, the doctors, the teachers, the good people, the social workers, the good people doing good work in any way they can, as small as it might be, on the positive side of the equation to help make it a better, kinder, you know, more understanding, more compassionate world. Bless you. Thank you. If you're one of those people, whatever it is you're doing, you know, I, I used to be so grateful that my summer jobs are working for the railway. I didn't have to work. You know, what would it be during the Vietnam War to be working for an armaments, you know, a company that produces Agent Orange or something? Oh, my God. No. Anyway, well, let's park that. So what does that leave us? Um, I'm going to go back to the book. I've been complaining about this book by Terry Fallis. It's called, oh, damn it. Oh, damn it. Oh, something weekend, the next year, the new year. Oh, my God. You know, I looked at the title. You don't need to take a picture of that. And, of course, I've forgotten my iPhone anyway, so I'm useless without it. I can't tell you what day it is. Well, it is Sunday, Thanksgiving Sunday. All right. I can't tell you what park I'm in because, you know, I always click. I always check in, you know, to see if I can become the mayor. Uh, but uh, I don't know that. So, gosh. Anyway, the storyline is his wife dies of cancer. What, what I do like about the book, it's dealing with cancer, the various types um, his his wife died of COVID in the hospital, so he's describing that part well. The horror—it's a recent. This is this is what do we call it? Topical. This is this is things that we can relate to. The problem I have with the book is the stilted dialogue. It just does not sound real, and it's about him and his hockey buddies, and everybody's a little too perfect, and a little too good, a little too white almost. Uh, in the sense of they just you know they're just kind and considerate and and they're all well established and they've all got good jobs and it just it's a reflection of a a very narrow spectrum of Canadian life and that's okay that's who he is and what he writes about um, new beginning I don't know new something anyway in the the story is all about he's going to have Paris to retrace. Uh, the writers of the twenties. So that whole premise, uh, you know, I'm interested in. Yeah, I want to. I want to hear what he has to say when he's living on the left bank and uh, about Paris. So I'm going to continue to read the book and groan every time his buddies start talking. Uh, and he, I think he drives the story forward a little too much with dialogue. His son is just perfect. You know, it, it, it's just too many perfect people in the story. Uh, okay. Anyway, park that. The other book is. Uh, about Africa, and I figured, okay, I'm going to read these things in parallel, because that, that strikes me. He's a journalist, a reporter, and it strikes me as uh, as good. Oh, my God, the wind's picked up. It's gotten viciously cold out there. Do I really want to go out for a walk? Uh, I'm feeling I, I'm... Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> it ain't looking good. It's just that it's a perfect straight-level parkway. Yes, I have to go for a walk. Ken... Your, your heart demands, you need your blood pumping, you need to move your, your leg muscles, what's left of them. One leg has no muscle at all, it's just atrophied. Um, but you, you've got to do this. So, all right, there, I'm just sorry, I had to take you on that inner dialogue. But uh, that's it. So that's it, I'm going uh, to go out and do that. And uh, maybe I'll think of things to tell you and I'll come back to the car and I'll add a PS like I did yesterday. But uh, meanwhile, oh my God, get the hell out there and uh, get that walk over with Scarborough Dude! Signing out from a little park just off Eglinton, a newly built park with a skating rink that's well used during the winter. What? Are people skating on it? No, it can't be year-round skating. They got rollerblades? No, they got hockey sticks? Holy shit. What could it be? It can't be ice. They sure look like they're skating. I'll have to drive over there. Uh, anyway, it was built for the community. It was sort of an industrial area, and they've just cleared. They've, they see a soccer field, a very nice tree-lined pathway. And this is the beauty about, you know, living in civilized times. Maybe this is related to the, you know, the war-torn bombings 
when you don't have the infrastructure, the fact that I can that I'm missing a screw, that I can go into a store that has every possible fucking screw you could ever want on the planet is in that store. And you can get it and you can find it at a reasonable price. You know, in a matter of minutes. Holy shit. How fortunate is that? And then you get these add-ons. Parks for the communities. They see a bandstand so parents can watch the kids play soccer. Like this is wonderful. This is this is what most people on the planet want. They don't want to be at war. They just want to have these benefits. And maybe that's what this whole Palestinian fight is about. Hey, you know, it's a shitty piece of land. It's dry. It's arid. It's it's tough, but it's ours. And and you know, we just need the resources and the freedom to. And you know, I, I don't know. I I don't know anything about that. Uh, I just know that there's just far too much deep-rooted hatred uh, and a history that is just is not going to go away. And that's the tragedy of it all, and people who are raised. And so every time I see, you know, I'll, I'll say it, I'll use the word, a mosque going up in Toronto, funded by Saudi Arabia fundamentalists, that they are, um, beautiful big mosque, and I see every day the people going in and out, especially on Fridays. You don't want to go near that, you know, Lawrence Avenue and Midland because of the, uh, you know, the crowds of people. Um, and I just hope that they aren't preaching hatred in any way, that they are preaching as they're supposed to, compassion and love and caring and forgiveness. <sighs> Scarborough dude! Getting into deep waters here, but uh, you. Bye for now. Check, check, check. Ooh, I hear an echo. So, listen, boys and girls, I was going to go to uh, Thompson Park and record a clip from there, and then from there move on for grocery shopping so that I can make the soup tonight that I promised my wife. Um, but <clears throat> instead, I thought, why why do that extra trip? Well, can't you record ever from your home? So I'm sitting here in my chair in the living room with my feet up on the great big uh, inflatable ball that serves as a footstool. It is Tuesday, October 10th. And um, here we go. One more clip so that we can finish this baby off. Um, I'm going to read a few things to you, but uh, I'll just just a little house cleaning. Well, it's not house cleaning. It's just me whining, okay? Same thing. Uh, I went to the dentist today. I had an appointment sort of scheduled sometime this month, uh, canceled because I had a cold, and then they called me today, short notice, can you come in at 12? And I had to say yes. And I know anybody who's a regular listener, you know the anxiety that creates in me. I just have this thing, it's psychological, but it's also physical because I do have a gag reflex. And when they get a mirror stuck in the back of your mouth and that thing that sort of scrapes the tartar off your teeth, uh... I gag, I panic. I was in the chair for maybe an hour and 10 minutes today, and it was absolute hell. My usual um, Jessica, my usual dental hygienist, I don't know what happened, but she was not her regular self, and it was like she had never met me before. And I, I train my hygienists, like, okay, now I'm the guy who has anxiety, a gag reflex, I'm a mouth breather, so, you know, I, you know, and I'm tense. Something's happened. I've, I've been damaged somewhere along the line. I don't know what it is. I would need deep psychotherapy to find out why I have this extra layer of just fear and anxiety. Uh, but anyway, I survived. I got through it. But I was something was wrong. And then I got really angry towards the end because I was up. I kept apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know this is hard for you. I can't, I can't breathe. You know. So, and I'd have to stop. And then I thought, why am I apologizing? I'm the guy sitting in the chair going through absolute hell, and I'm paying for this, and yet I'm apologizing for making her job difficult. And, and I, I got then I got angry, and I think she could hear it in my voice. And then the uh, doctor commander's daughter come in. She's also a doctor, a dentist. 
who was wonderful, and she was just, oh, don't worry, Kyle, why are we? And she just had that calm, cheerful voice. And like her father, she just sort of oh, calmed me right down. And she just poked around a little bit. Everything's okay. You know, they wanted to do x-rays. I refused. No, no, no. You know, can't afford it. Um, I, I've got surgery that they'd like to do uh, to the tune of five grand. And no, I'm not going to have that done. So... Anyway, I went through hell, but it's done. It's behind me. I've come home, and I guess it's the gabapentin I take. I'll have to, I don't know, but I can doze off. I'll put on a movie, sit in my chair, feet up, and bam, I'm out. And I'm continually having to rewind. doesn't happen when I'm driving because I'm alert and paying attention to the road. But sitting still in a chair with a movie on, you know, boom, I'm out. So, anyway. My God. All right, so now we're up to date. All right, now to get on with the business at hand. I've made some notes. Anybody listening to this? Now, you, you some people don't, you know, are two months behind in listening, so this won't be current, and others it will be. I'm going to entitle this uh, podcast War and Peace because right now is a horrific battle going on between Israel and Hamas. And the poor people of Palestine or the Palestinians are the ones paying the price and suffering and being killed in large numbers too. Hamas, for some reason, I will never understand. Uh, And I should make it clear, I do not know a whole lot about Middle East politics. And there are people, probably I'll talk to John Meadows on Thursday and give me his, you know, your perspective. Um, I can see right now both sides at fault. But there was an attack launched. Uh, Israel claimed it was their 9-11 because they want American support. Um, But it was an attack, and people were kidnapped and taken across the border and in hiding and threatened that if Israel retaliates without warning, they will execute them and televise, you know, videotape and and send the videos out to the families of uh, the people they kill so, of course, that hikes the attention just up a little bit. And, of course, meanwhile, Israel has gone in and bombed the shit out of Gaza. and it, It's just, it's awful. And in a case like uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine and the takeover, I'm firmly on the side of Ukraine. In terms of Israel, this attack is stupid because they cannot beat Israel. They're not going to get Israel out of there. It's just only going to anger people and... Uh, a lot of innocent people. So for whatever reasons Hamas had, they were able to pull it off. They were able to, you know, get in there and kidnap people and so on and murder a lot. Israel claims at least 700, maybe 1,000 killed, 2,000 wounded. And we there's been at least 800 Palestinians killed. But I guess one of the things I wanted to bring up was there is the Canada, of course, is going to be on the side of Israel. Uh, the prime ministers come out, the uh, opposition leaders come out and, you know, spoken at engagements. This, this will not stand. You cannot just launch an attack on people uh, like this. It's not going to get anywhere. Um, but they flew a flag of Israel on the Peace Tower. And I think they've probably done it with Ukraine. And I don't think it's bothered me. But putting the flag of Israel, it's like it's like you can't on the on what we call our peace tower. You could not make a statement any stronger than that to say we're on Israel's side, no matter what the rest of the story is. We're for Israel, and wow! In the streets of Toronto and across Canada, there are large numbers of pro-Palestinian people saying, you know, we might not be in support of what Hamas has done, but we want to people to be aware of the suffering that the Palestinians have gone through, which is totally under Israeli control. And they've cut off all the power, light, heat, everything, um, that our people are suffering. Now, I'm, I'm going into all of this because just recently I had talked about Bluffers Park and how wonderful it was that people from all nations can live together and get along and so on. We did have demonstrations pro-Israel, pro-Palestine in the streets of Toronto. There is a police presence. There was no violence to speak of. 
And that's a good thing. Yes, I, it's the freedom of speech and, and protesting. And people said, how can you be? They don't want to see dances of joy for the, the damage uh, Hamas did on Israel. Like, this is not something to celebrate. This is, this is war. Uh, don't be dancing and saying cheering about the dead, dead Israelis. This is not a Canadian thing to do. But to get out there and state your case and wave your flags uh, and to have done it without shots fired from either side or, you know, baseball bats swung at each other. There's some blessing in that. Uh, it is, we did have Thanksgiving. We had a wonderful, the Melko cooked a roast just perfectly. I did the, um, those little pop-up things, the ship, not ship, the, you know, the Yorkshire puddings. And I nailed it this time. They were really good. Uh, even just one plane by itself reheated in the microwave. Ooh, tasty. Uh, but anyway, uh, I insisted everybody say something they're thankful for. And my thanks was that I have a, that I live in a place where we have a place like Buffers Park where people from all nations can live together in peace in Canada. Uh, my son gave uh, gratitude for the fact that he's got a job now, and my wife gave gratitude for the fact that none of us are sick. So all those are good things. Um, but this business of this war erupting, uh, it, it's it's awful, and it, it's just... It's just plain nasty, and it's unfortunate. And I know my voice doesn't sound like I'm saddened. Um, it, it just—it's—it's it, just you have to feel for the people, not the soldiers, not the politicians, the the farmers, the merchants, the the fathers, the grandparents, the the, the children, all who suffer when sides just sort of come together in 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 a, in a in hatred and rain murder down on each other it it's just it'd be so nice and and I can't see it ever happening if mankind could ever move past this but given the primitive apes that we are uh, I can't see that happening but I'm going to have one related quote I'm I've started it off I'm reading three four books at once including a recipe uh, called Thug Kitchen 101. Uh, the subtitle is Fast as Fuck. It's really good. Uh, Shane and Lauren in, in Windsor used this book. Um, and there's a lot of recipes. I got it at our library, you know, on a sale for $2. Maybe I mentioned that. But anyway, the book I'm reading, Love, Africa, Memoir of Romance, War, and Survival, he points out something early on in the book that I wanted to share because I think it's so important. Uh, So bear with me, I'm going to quote from that book. The end of the Cold War wasn't such a cause for celebration in Africa. While people were still partying in Berlin, they were being shot to death in Somalia, disemboweled in Liberia, hacked up in Rwanda. Africa had the rotten luck to gain its freedom at the height of the Cold War, which meant dozens of young nations had been instantly reeled into the maelstrom um, on one side or the other. And instead of building courthouses, highways, or universities, exactly what these fragile, artificially created countries needed, the United States and the USSR built arsenals. The superpowers took some of the least developed areas on Earth, like the Somali Desert or the Congo River Basin, and pumped in first-world-killing equipment. They installed leaders of these tinderboxes on the basis not of genuine popularity, but merely of who would do their bidding. In Zaire, now Congo, America should have bent over backward to help Patrice Lumumba, the charismatic and democratically elected prime minister who had fought so hard for independence. Instead, it helped kill him. JFK then, JFK then cozied up to a cunning army man, Joseph Mobutu, who promptly changed his name to, I'm not even going to bother reading it, meaning, translating as, the all-powerful warrior who, because of his endurance and inflexible will to win, will go from conquer, conquest to conquest, leaving fire in his wake. 
That's the translation of the title he gave himself. Courtesy of our millions, Mobutu became one of Africa's worst disasters, um, ruling for decades like a late-stage Roman emperor. So there you go. This, These weapons, you know, um, this is the cruelty. And this is why so many countries, and I'm not just talking about Israel and Palestine, because Iran is helping the Hamas and... Uh, people are fighting these wars, proxy wars in Syria, and by supplying weapons to people who, you, you see it. You you see the pictures. You see people who have no education running around a jeep with a machine gun and just terrorizing civilians. And it, it's just so, so, so tragic. I'll just finish one more paragraph. But as soon as the Berlin Wall came crumbling down, the Mobutu became an embarrassment. The Mobutus became an embarrassment. There was suddenly no reason to prop them up. The rest abruptly disengaged from Africa, and the Mobutus toppled over one after the other like evil little dolls. Upheaval and war erupted everywhere, marking the most seismic movement moment in Africa since the continent tore itself off from uh, Gondwana land 150 million years ago. Sierra Leone became the Hobbesian, became so Hobbesian with its drugged up rebels running around terrorizing people and drugged up government soldiers running around terrorizing people that the Sierra Leoneans invented a new quite clever term, the Sobel, soldier, rebel, to a brutalized civilian. It was all the same. And it had been never been easier for Sobel to get an automatic weapon. All right. So, I, and that may seem, well, it's, it's certainly not irrelevant. It, it's, it's when you point the finger, I mean, it, a lot of people think, oh, these Africans are so uncivilized to whatever. Um, you just have to look at the colonizers and who are the people who gain from selling weapons. Uh, and it's horrific. It's horrific. So there you go. A very depressing little thing from uh, the comfort of my living room. I am grateful. I am expressing gratitude for... Uh, I, that's what I said with um, uh, Dr. Camandro when she left today, uh, you know, talking about Thanksgiving and, and how fortunate it is to be here and not in the Middle East. So, all right. Now to do something good, go out and uh, make this special uh, soup that I've... I'm going to adapt the recipe to suit myself. It's called an all-purpose veggie soup. Um, and the... Oh, I better get some crusty bread to serve right away. Um, these these recipes are really good. They use the word fuck in every single, you know, almost every step of the way. Uh, like, uh, add the vinegar and lemon juice, stir well, and turn off the heat. Taste and see what the fuck you need to throw in to warm up. Uh, serve right away with some crusty bread. Uh, and also the word shit like that, right? Um, next, add the salt, beans, and pasta, and keep the pot gently simmering until pasta is cooked all the way, about 12 minutes depending on your pasta shape, and shit like that. So, all right. Scarborough Dude. I, I, it's very strange that my voice sounds cheerful at a time when I've just had to turn the TV off from the horror. Um, and I'm, I'm, I apologize for the in, incongruity of all this, talking about something awful and not sounding at all like I care. And uh, I, I thought I did care. I'll leave it at that. Back to you later. Bye for now. I'm
going to just leave that on in the background. This is uh, your host, of course, uh, winding down this uh, particular episode. Better keep track of the time. Um, <clears throat> I'm at Thompson Park this time. I got in the car. I thought, where, where are you going to go? Where do you want to walk? Where do you want to go? And, you know, the decision finally arrived at this place. And then it turned out there is 10, 12, 15 school buses here. Turns out today is the day for a, um, some kind of intramural track meet for elementary schools. So I was just lucky to snag a parking spot. A lot of kids. So I haven't ventured out. I'm still in my car. The music in the background, that is uh, Sir or King, depends on the time. Uh, Benjamin Igadume. Uh, who is a leader of a band called Okeke Sound. Now, I've mentioned this before, but of course nobody will remember. Okeke Sound started up in my village when I lived in Nigeria. This is music I heard. I knew Benji when he was just starting off his band, that was 1981, whatever. Um, he is still going, I was going to say going strong, but that would be an exaggeration. He is still playing. I'm still, if I go to YouTube and type in Okeke Sound, O-K-E-K-E, or Benji Igbadume, uh, I will find him performing at hotels in Afashio, which is a village right beside my village, and in uh, Auchi, and, you know, big presentations. Sadly, he has no voice left. You can hear this style. It's almost a shouting. Um, but the thing is, so watching him now, as I did yesterday while I prepared the vegetable soup, I set it up and I just listened the whole time. And they have, you know, a camera sort of on him and then they'll go around the dance floor. And you just see the men dancing or, you know, throwing Naira at, at Benji. Uh, and it brings back, it brings back everything I loved about Nigeria. The music, the liveliness, the dancing. It's often just men on the dance floor, uh, uninhibitedly dancing. And of course, there's always beer somewhere. Um, in this particular episode, there was a man who, uh, well, didn't have any use of his legs at all. You know, I didn't even missing one. But doing the dance floor just on his knees and hands and just in there with everybody else because he loved that music too. And I, I remember seeing things like that. It was really quite wonderful to to experience this and just to have it in the background. Like I say, a little bit sad. Now, Benji wouldn't remember me at all, but I did find a relative and I sent a, a, a notice uh, saying, I knew, you know, I, I think it was your, maybe this might have been one of his newer wives. It might have even been a wife I sent it to. Probably, you know, he would have had a few. Um, he was famous for this, the music you're hearing is FMI, which is just the, the local tribes where I lived. It was a small group. This is not Yoruba, this is not Igbo, this is not Fulani, this is not Hausa. These are the people sort of in the central Nigeria, what was Bendel State. Uh, and so he was, this is the music. And I think part of what was so important about this was he's keeping the sound alive. Because I'm seeing the posts of the people writing in how much it meant to them to hear their sound, their tribal language. Uh, as you know, uh, Nigeria has many. Now there goes an ambulance and a fire truck. I guess some poor kid is passed out or whatever. Sorry, that was a squirrel. Um, it, it's just, it's heartwarming, and it brings back the time, the carefreeness of being in my 30s and just having abandoned myself to Nigeria. Yeah, let go and open up. You're going to you're gonna get sick. You're going to get malaria. You're going to get diarrhea. You're going to get, you know, dysentery. You know, you're going to, you're just, you're going to, but just get all in there and let it all out. And I did for those two years. And it was it was tremendously, well, invigorating on one hand, but liberating, I guess. And so this music brings back a little bit of that. And that's why I'm sharing it with you today. Um, 
this, of course, is from a much earlier time. And listening now, like I say, it's, it's almost painful. He's just standing up at the organ and playing with one finger often. But always his younger people with him and drummers, and, and uh, he still has a fan base for, for keeping this music alive. Uh, there are others I listen to, Ebenezer Obi, and uh, well, the most famous King Sunny Ade, but the local ones uh, singing in this language, which of course I only knew a greeting or two. I think I, I think only a greeting. There was one word you could use anywhere, and the word was mo, 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 and you could just say it back and forth. You know, it was like, are you okay? Or just it was a. A familiar sound. I remember when my friend Michael, my guardian, visiting somebody who was sick, and they just they just exchanged that word. <sighs> so I, I'm I'm doing this because we all know what's on in the news, and um, it, it just isn't going to get any better. Oh, oh my God! Sorry. Oh, that was so abrupt and so unnecessary because I was going to go back to the fucking news. Stop it, Ken. You don't need the damn news. Well, now that I'm here, um, I was looking for a ray of hope in what's happening in Gaza. Um, the There was a man I saw on the news. He was Norwegian. His name was John Egelsand. He was a former special envoy for conflict resolution. And what is needed are people in conflict resolution, and especially internationally, to bring people, you, you know, people, cooler heads, people who can speak for their people. And he talked about how close they were back in the 90s with, with Egypt and, and for coming across and maybe arriving at a solution over the Middle East of, of, you know, the Palestinians getting land back. And, and since then, of course, he said, it just, you know, these people didn't have the power or they backed away or stronger voices came in and somebody actually was just assassinated, an Israeli, killed by an Israeli for making overtures to the Palestinians. That's how much, you know, hatred and, and, and brutality there is. Uh, people who didn't want peace. And... Hearing a man like this, a Scandinavian, just who's saying, you know, we have to do everything to bring people to the table. But the people holding power are the brutes who don't want to be at the table. And the average person doesn't have any say or power. So it just it gave me hope knowing here's somebody out there. And basically, I mean, he was calling it. He was saying, hey, you've... You, you can't, this encroachment of Israel building more, expanding the country by building on occupied land that they're not supposed to, is just making it, has made it worse, and, and to the point where it's maybe impossible. You, are you, would you ever get Israel to give up land? <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, Ken, why did you do that? Why did you push a button to go to the news and bum everybody out because we were just trying. I was I was trying to share with you a time even in a country like Nigeria with a host of problems and turmoil and and battles. There was even a little war between my village and the next one, although it could well have been between Christians and Muslims, which I suspect it was because it was Auchi versus Uzawa. But anyway, um. <sighs> Is there is there some hope? I guess the sadness. Maybe well, let's keep let's keep going with sadness. Um, the bias of the news media, you know, and most of what we're going to see, especially from CNN, is going to be all pro-Israel and show scenes of blood and the the horror inflicted upon men, women, and children, families by. Um, these Hamas rebels, you know, and there's no disputing that. Yeah, that's for real, but you're not going to see in the other side the effect of a bomb dropping down on a on a refugee camp. Uh, so, um, to its credit, the Onion posted a, a headline. Um, 
the New York Times issues an apology for reporting on Palestinian deaths. And that says a lot right there, like the fact that that, you know, is darkly funny, but really they make their point that, no, no, only show the Israeli deaths, not what's happening in Palestine. So um, there you go. Is that any better? Does that help? I don't think so. Uh, the tragedy of a huge earthquake in Afghanistan and, and the people, who cares? You know, it's been wiped off. It's not important. You know, thousands killed and a country that would desperately need help, except it's been taken over by the Taliban. And so you're not going to have women nurses or anybody else who are going to be out there helping people. <sighs> no, this is not getting better. This is ending on a bad note. Uh, my bad. I'm just going to end it there. Uh, you know, I, something I do is sometimes I'll replay a clip or think I'm going to discard a clip because, oh, my God, Ken, you know, just get rid of that. Don't play it. And then I'll play it back after I've proof listened. Like, no, I've said exactly what I wanted to say. And so I ended up where I got to. There was a little bit of time 40 years ago when life seemed, was it simpler in Nigeria? I guess it was. Yeah, it certainly was. It was reduced to the basics, eating and shitting. Uh, and <laughs> music and dancing and celebrating and, and life and being alive and, and joy and excitement and uh, emotions, all of those wonderful things. You know, I'm not asking people, we don't want robots, but we want, we want reason. And uh, when you have deep hatred, there's no room for reason. Scarborough Dude signing out. Do you need a bell? No, you're not going to get a bell. You're going to get a closing door. <laughs>